Well, that's a tremendous uh, old hymn. Who can tell the pleasure? Who recount the treasure by thy word imparted to the simple-hearted? Well, I trust we'll be blessed this morning as this word is uh, read again and uh, explained. We do very simple things uh, in uh, Bible-believing churches. We open the Bible, we read a passage, and we uh, explain uh, what the passage is saying, and then we sing a hymn and we sit down, and uh, we trust the Spirit of the living God to be ministering to each and every one of us. And unless he uh, is at work here this morning, we truly do waste our time. I hope it's been your prayer uh, in your prayer meetings corporately and uh, in your prayers individually for this great event, Sunday, Sunday morning, Sunday evening, and the preaching of the word. Some say, well, I didn't get much out of that service. How much did you put in to the service in prayer and in preparation to receive this wonderful, wonderful word? And who can tell the pleasure? May it be a pleasure to us this morning. Who recount the treasure? May there be great treasures this morning. By thy word imparted to the simple-hearted. God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. So let's humble ourselves before him. Uh, we have much to learn as churches. We have much to learn as individuals. Now, at short notice, I think I preached this sermon about six months ago uh, in St. Melons, and uh, so I've uh, taken out my notebook and, and prayed over uh, the notes. But uh, I found it helpful at the time in, in St. Melons. And um, it's a story about fish. So it's something of a, a fishy story that we have before us this morning. It's an incident where uh, Jesus, the teacher, gives fishy advice to professional fishermen who really ought to have known more than he did about fishing. And, uh, but it's never really about fish. So let's look at this scene first of all. Then we'll think about Simon. And then we'll think about the signs that we can glean from this passage. Many ways we could open up this uh, passage. Uh, when I went on my uh, uh, holiday, I was tuning into one or two of the services at St. Melons, and one of the young men took this passage, which I preached on in, in May. He took it in October, and it was quite, quite different. And there's the Word of God. How marvellous, how wonderful, uh, the same passage speaking uh, in a different fashion, a different emphasis. But this morning, First of all, let's think about the scene that's set before us. So it was, we're told, as the multitude pressed about him to hear the word of God, that he stood by the lake of Gennesaret, and that is the Sea of Galilee. So Jesus is up north. He's been in uh, Galilee for some time. Uh, he's been in, in Nazareth. Uh, he's been in Capernaum. And the people in Capernaum have been really keen to keep hold of him. They didn't want him to leave the town at all. But Jesus explains, no, I must go to other towns and cities. And chapter 4 uh, closes with the words that uh, he went and preached in other towns and cities and in the synagogues of Galilee. So he's up north at the moment. And he's moved out of Capernaum and he's come to the seashore, the Sea of Galilee. And the Sea of Galilee is the centre of the fishing industry. Many villages along the seashore. 
and many people earning their living on that uh, inland uh, sea, that vast lake, as fishermen. And uh, the people hear that Jesus is by the seashore. And so we're told that a, a great crowd begins to, to gather. Listen to these words again. Uh, so it was, as the, the multitude pressed about him to hear the word of God, that he stood by the lake of Gennesaret. So the people are, are crowding in. And uh, unlike many churches where we fill up from the back, I know I was impressed this morning, I, wonder, I thought, what's, what's my number? But you're all given numbers and you're told are you, exactly where you're going to sit, 86, 88, 91, and you're given a place to sit. And uh, I was given this place here. But uh, in normal times, churches tend to fill up from the back. And uh, if you put out chairs for a midweek meeting, then uh, the front row is rarely filled. It's uh, the back. And uh, then eventually, if you come late, you, you end up on the front row. But that wasn't the case here because Jesus is preaching. Jesus is speaking. The people thrilled to hear him. They loved to hear the word. They couldn't get enough. They couldn't get close enough. And so they were pressing in. It's a, just a wonderful, wonderful scene. Jesus teaching and the crowds pressing in to hear what he had to say, the word of God. There's an eagerness about that crowd on that particular morning. Uh, they're keen, they're desiring, they are hungry. And uh, it speaks to me and it speaks to you and I have to question myself. Now, I've had a wonderful three months. You know, I've been getting up on Sunday mornings having no sermon notes to go over, no hymns to check, no order of service to go through. Uh, we've been based in, in Mid Wales, in, in Newtown, and uh, we've gone to Newtown Evangelical Church and sat down, and it's been a thrill. And uh, just to listen to a, a series in Acts on the Sunday mornings and another series on Sunday evenings, and to sit and to listen and to worship, and then afterwards... Uh, no agenda for me. I was no longer the pastor. I could just go and chat to people here and there. It's been a really wonderful time. But are we eager? Are we keen? Are we hungry this morning? The Bible's full of promises. All I've done is open the Bible, read a passage. Now I'm looking to explain it. We haven't got very far yet. Verses 1 and 2, the crowd's pressing in. Here's a promise, a real truth. Uh, the entrance of your word brings light. Now, as a church, would you desire light? Keep, keep coming to, to, to be here. Uh, do you plan to be here tonight? Uh, are you crowding in? Or are there other things on your agenda? What could be more important than hearing what the living God has to say to us as a church, you as a church, and then to you as an individual? Are there perplexing things in your life? Are you looking for certain directions? And what do I do about this? Do I marry him? Do I marry her? Do we start going out? Do I buy that house? Do I take this, this job? Well, there's not going to be a detailed verse on that. But through the word, by the Spirit, a profound impression can come upon you. And the Lord opening doors and closing doors. Oh, on this occasion, by the lakeside, they were keen, they were eager and Jesus is preaching and he is teaching. He said here in verse 43 of chapter 4, I must preach. What's he preaching about? 
the kingdom of God to those other cities also, because for this purpose I have been sent. Here he is, the prince of preachers, and he's on the lakeside. And people desire to hear. And people want to see him as well. But it's difficult there on the seashore. It's a big multitude. And the small ones at the back, well, they, they can't see him. And they're sort of jumping up and, and peeping through and trying to catch a glimpse of him. And, uh, you know, as well as being almighty God, really he is true humanity. He's only got one voice. He didn't have a special spiritual megaphone on his vocal cords. So there was a limit to how far his voice could carry. But the crowd wanted to hear. And there were difficulties. So looking around, uh, he sees two boats. And they belong to a group of fishermen. They got a little business going. And uh, there's uh, James and John. There's uh, Simon. And there, there's Andrew. And he spots uh, Simon's boat. And he, he says to, uh, to Simon, push me out a little bit into, into the lake. And uh, Simon uh, does that. And then he sits down and he begins to speak to the people from the boat. Now, why, why is he doing that? He's not into theatrics. He wants people to see him. He wants people to be able to hear him. And so pushing out from the seashore. You've been to a seashore, haven't you? And if there's a crowd on the seashore, you look out to the sea, you can see what's on uh, the sea. He can be seen now. And uh, the acoustics will be very good. His, uh, the sound waves bouncing off the sea and coming onto the land. His voice will carry uh, somewhat better. Uh, and he's, he's doing this to help the people to hear and to help them to, to see. Jesus is creative and he is looking to be helpful. What's the need? That they should see, that they should hear. Interesting to note that he, uh, he sat down to preach. I don't know how you'd feel today if I decided now to, to sit down and preach. Is that the done thing? Uh, is there a set way in the Bible for people to preach? Well, Jesus was often seated when the crowds came to him. But the reason, why aren't, why aren't I seated to preach? Well, I'll tell you why. It's very simple. You need to see and you need to hear. And so the folks on the front row, you, that's better, isn't it? You can see me now. And that's Jesus looking that people would see and they would hear the word of God. This church is designed in a very biblical fashion. Why is the pulpit here? Um, well, it's so that, again, all can see and all can hear. If I were preaching from a platform again, folks would have difficulties in seeing it's designed so that people can hear the word of God. We're declaring in this particular church, the Bible is absolutely central and vital. For here is where the gospel is found and we declare it and we break the bread of life and disperse it to the people. And so Jesus on this occasion, great crowd, they're eager to hear, they're keen to hear. What, is, what has God got to say to me? They're crowding in. They've heard he's said wonderful things and done wonderful things. What he's done for others can he do for me? 
They come bringing their needs and their burdens, their difficulties. And what has Jesus got to say to me? And here we are together this morning. Well, that's the scene. Simple first point. A third of the way through. Point number two. Three S's, by the way, if you're taking notes. Uh, The scene, Simon and the signs. So on the second one, Simon, S-I-M-O-N. Simon, verses four through to seven. Now then, interesting. When he had stopped speaking, I don't know how long the sermon went on for from the little boat on the Sea of Galilee, but it did come to an end. And now Jesus turns to Simon. When he had stopped speaking, he turned to Simon. Now here's a really important point for us here this morning. Jesus taught the crowds. And here this morning, Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, has got something to say to this church here. There's something to say to this church here. It might be a little piece of a jigsaw along the way. But there's something that the Lord wants to say to you as a gathered church. There really, really is. Otherwise, why do we bother meeting together? Well, some don't bother meeting because they don't think Jesus has anything to say. And when it comes to the church meeting, though, they're quick to give their opinion and share their point of view. But they haven't been listening to his his voice Sunday by Sunday, morning and evening, little bit by little bit. Oh, he has something to say to you as a gathered church here this morning. Uh, And may you hear what the Spirit says to the church. But having taught the crowd, here's something very, very wonderful. He now speaks to Simon. So as well as in a sermon, the Lord Jesus Christ speaking to the whole gathered church, the congregation, he has something to say. Now listen now, nobody's missed out. So in zone 82, he's going to say something to zone 82. And there are four of you. All right, there you are. Zone 82. The camera can't pan round to you, I'm sure, so don't, don't worry. But then there are four of you there. There's something more. He's got something to say to each and every one in zone 82. I could go through the zones. We could make... How long do you want the sermon to be? We could make it a very long one this morning and go from zone to zone. But I hope you get the point. Don't think he's got nothing to say to you. Why are you here? Well, maybe you've come on autopilot once... Again, it's an easy thing to do. I've been a believer now for 45 years. And what do I do on a Sunday? Well, we get up and get ready and you get the kids together, or the grandkids, and you go uh, to church. But are we anticipating that he, the Lord of glory, has got... So- oh, we might well believe. Well, he's got something to say to the church. Surely that's important. But, but me? My friend, you are the church. We are the bride of Christ. And the church is this collection of gathered individuals Uh, he the head we are the body we are the bride of Christ and we are being changed from glory into glory and Jesus Christ has something to say to you this morning and the question I should have on my heart as I'm preaching now Lord what have you got to say to me because preacher and hearer we're all under the same word of God and I expect having concluded this sermon, to know what he said to me, what he said to me 
So what is he saying to you? And he begins now not to address the crowd, but he's speaking to Simon. And here's what he has to say to him. Launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. But Simon answered and said to him, Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. And when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish and their net was breaking. So they signaled to their partners on the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so that they began to sink. These fishermen have spent all nights in fishing. They've caught nothing. I remember the old Sunday school song. Is it going through your head now? One or two heads nodding. Fished all night and caught no fishes. Fished all night and caught no fishes. Fished all night and caught no fishes down by the deep blue sea. But at the word of Jesus, lets down the net and pulls up this, this great, great catch. Now what lessons do we learn from this, Jesus speaking to, to Simon. Well, here, here's one that some commentators bring out. Uh, they call it payback time. Jesus has borrowed Simon's boat, and Jesus is no man's debtor. Uh, Jesus will pay Simon for the hire of the boat. And Jesus, you know, he pays very well. Uh, he is no man's debtor. We are all in debt to him him. Uh, he pays what is due. We never lose out by following and serving and giving to the Lord Jesus Christ because he gives back in great, great measure. I think about my own life and sorry for some, some personal little insights, but um, I, I know them ve very well. At uh, the age of 30, I've been a believer now for 11 years, working as a, a chemist in, in London. We bought our third property there. We had two children and doing very nicely in the, the company I, I was with. And um, there was a phone call one night and uh, it was a, a minister I'd known from Cardiff called Vernon Hyam. And he said, oh, we've had an elders meeting we're wondering if you would come and work for us here at Heath Evangelical with international uh, students. And uh, that very morning, I'd been reading in my daily readings. The word of the Lord came to Jonah uh, a second time. Go to Nineveh, that great city, and declare the word I, I will give to you. And I concluded, well, from that passage and, and the phone call and the sense of call in my own heart, this was the thing to do. Had a chat with Jill. We put the house on the market and we sold up and we, we came uh, here. And uh, I told the story about the little section from Jonah, go to Nineveh, that great city. And someone said, well, you haven't gone to Nineveh, you've gone to Cardiff. And uh, oh, that was interesting. The first international student meeting we had in our home, a family came. I said, oh, where are you from? We're from Iraq. Uh, whereabouts in Iraq? Well, it's the old city of Nineveh. Well, how, how marvellous. How wonderful. Um, my mum, who wasn't a believer at the time, 
and she's now in, in glory, I, I, I trust, um, said, oh, you've given up so much. You know, I, I gave up nothing. What a blessing. Excuse me. Just a moment. I have lost nothing. There has been great gain for me and for my family. Um, funny, Mum was saying that at a time when we, we, if you've been to our house, it's uh, the longest Welsh house in, in Wales. It's on the edge of Cardiff in St. Melons. Uh, seven bedrooms and uh, multiple lounges. And it's, have I missed out on anything? Now, the blessings that Jesus gives are not necessarily physical. In fact, they're rarely physical, but I have been blessed in a temporal way. But the real blessings have been the memories I have in my head now in serving the Lord. Is that my house? I mean, Heathwood Road. Remember, many will remember Heathwood Road. We had a house there. And uh, the young people used to come around on a Saturday night and... Uh, cram into the house, you had to take the, the lounge door off and people would sit up the stairway and pack them in and just teaching God, God's word and then Sunday afternoons, the Sunday afternoon student Bible study. I mean, I'm looking around here and there are couples who met in that room in Heathwood House and uh, got to know each other and are now uh, married and memories come back to me. It, is that my house now in St. Melons? You know, one of the first meetings we, we had in, uh, in St. Melons, we got a, a barn conversion at the side. It's a double-story lounge. And uh, Stephen Chris Owen said, can we bring the international students? And I said, of course you can. And, uh, and they came. We had 120 students in that lounge, upstairs and downstairs. And it was an Elizabethan uh, evening. Is that my house? Oh, the Lord has paid back many, many times. So many blessings in serving the Lord. Uh, is that my car? I remember using the car very much, still using the, the car to the glory of God. On one occasion, I took Mr. Hyam to uh, a student Christian Union meeting in Bristol. He was very nervous about it. And uh, would I drive him there? And I did. And three Cameroonian students said, can we come too? Can we come too? We like Mr. Hyam. And so they jumped in the back and we drove to Bristol. And on the way back, Mr. Hyam and I were talking in the front and uh, the lads are listening in the back and uh, Mr. Hyam said, oh, isn't it wonderful we can have this righteousness from the Lord? And a voice piped up from the back. Remember it vividly, it's very dark outside, headlights on. <clears throat> and the lad said, uh, what is this righteousness and how can I have it? And Vernon said, stop the car, stop the car. Next lay by him, we went. Um, a vivid memory. Vivid memory. Him explaining the gospel to these three lads in the back seat. I don't know where they are now. Who knows? Who knows? As a net was let down that day. Oh. Well, I don't want to put that on. <laughs> we haven't finished yet. No, we haven't finished yet. Jesus is no one's debtor serve him give him everything if he wants your boat he can have your boat if he wants your car your house it's not yours anyway but I mean when you leave this planet you're not taking they say how much did he leave everything he left a lot he took nothing with him we're only stewards 
Oh, they can't come into this house because the carpets. I've just, I've just tidied the house. It doesn't matter. Give it to him. Give it to him. There's, there's one lesson from what he says to Simon and Simon's obedience. And here's the second thing I want to mention. When Jesus speaks, obey him. <laughs> even if, even if, and here's the point well worth making, even if on occasions your logic tells you that what he is saying seems to be really quite foolish. Push out into the deep water, Simon. Let down your net for a catch in the deep water. Now, Jesus is the teacher. And uh, Simon has acknowledged that. Teacher, we have been fishing all night. So Jesus is the teacher. Simon is the fisherman. Simon is the expert. Uh, this seems a crazy thing to ask me to do. Master, we have toiled all night and caught... I've been out all night. Listen, it's, it's probably morning when this actually happens. And the boats have been pulled up and the fishermen are cleaning and mending their nets. Before they go, offer a sleep. That's what Simon's thinking about. But along comes the Lord Jesus Christ and push out into... So I, I, I'll do that. I will do that. Simon knows him, he's met him before, he's healed his mother-in-law very recently. Although I'm tired, yes, I will push out. We fished all night, we're tired, we've caught nothing. I should be asleep now and you're telling me to push further out? I thought the sermon had finished, I was going to row back and go off for a quick kip. Where's the edge? But, uh, okay. Okay, master, he calls him master. At your command, I, I will let down the nets. It seems such a foolish thing that he was being asked to do. Del Ralph Davis has got an excellent commentary on, uh, on Luke's gospel and he, he makes the point, if something seems foolish, it usually is. Don't expect God to... Uh, only work in foolish-seeming ways. Usually, it's the logical thing to do. And Davis makes the point, if it seems foolish, it usually is. Well, how can I discern when I should actually do something that might well seem a little bit foolish? Stay close to him. All right, maybe that's what you need to learn this morning. Maybe that's the central point. Maybe that's what I need to learn. Are you drifting? Stay close. Is there a big decision coming up for you? Now when I, you know, 1987 there in, in London, the phone call comes. You know, if you're going to make a big decision that's really quite, it's, you come to a crossroads, make sure you're reading your Bible, saying your prayers, getting to the corporate means of grace. You need to be close because to me, something to my mum at the time, what a foolish thing, giving up that job and coming to, to Cardiff. And uh, No, you need to be close. You need to be, stay close to him. But in obedience, what a catch. What a catch. Uh, at his command, it's so great the boats are almost sinking. Now, finally then, point number three, the uh, signs, the signs. What was the point of this fishy tale? First of all, Peter has to learn more about himself. He has to learn more. Here's the priority. 
about Jesus, we've all got more that we need to learn. Primarily about the Lord Jesus Christ. And you are who you are and you're acting the way you are at the moment because of your knowledge of Jesus Christ, intellectually and spiritually. And you will become a better person the more you know in reality this awesome person, Jesus Christ. And not just a head knowledge, but a heart knowledge, an apprehension, an encounter with him that began at your conversion, but must always go on to continue to grow. So Peter tells us the final words that Peter's inspired to write down, 2 Peter 3, 18, but grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ. Grow, grow. So the big question this morning is, Jesus, what more can I know of you? And what Peter learns strikes him with, with awe. The catch of fish, when, verse 8, when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, I hope what he says now. He's been quite pally with him in verse 5. Master, we've toiled all night and caught nothing, nevertheless. All right, if you say so. But now, none of that. He's not flippant at all with Jesus Christ. He wants to cower and hide. He fell down at Jesus' knees saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man. Lord, oh Lord. In verse 5, uh, he calls him Master. And now, in verse 8, he calls him Lord. He's using this word, curios, uh, Lord. I've learned something about myself. I am a sinful man in the light of who you are. And what's being produced in Peter is something absolutely vital for you and for me and for all believers. Humility. Humility. Holy God, sinful me. He'll never change this side of glory. Holy God, sinful me. I'm a saved sinner. Sinner saved by grace. I'm not holier than thou. Uh, this morning I point you to Jesus. If you're not saved yet, what's the difference between me and you? My sin's been dealt with and yours is still on your heads. You're moving towards judgment and I'm moving towards glory. Why? Because this Jesus Christ, who is God who became man, the God-man Jesus Christ, fully God, fully man, he's not a blend or a mixture, then he'd be neither one nor the other, but in one person, Jesus Christ, we have one who is almighty God and true humanity. What? Two persons? No, one person, two natures. And he's come to do me good. He's come to take away my biggest problem. And I've got to understand my need before I can turn to him. And Peter now comes to see, I am a sinful man. Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. Humility. Now, you cannot fake true humility. I think it is the hallmark of, of godliness. It's hard to describe what it is, but it's very beautiful when you see it, it comes when we have a right view of him that produces a right view of me. Humble Christians ought to be absolutely the norm. A proud Christian, here's a big word for you, you look it up when you go home, is an oxymoron. Right. Look it up if you're writing notes. Oxymoron. 
proud Christian. Any here this morning? A proud Christian won't be listening. They'll be thinking about a football match this afternoon or something that happened last night or working out his business plan. While Jesus Christ is speaking, uh, he thinks he's heard it all before. Nothing to say to me. And the one who's listening is being humbled more. The one who is arrogant and proud isn't listening. He's being hardened. But it's a contradiction in terms. It's an oxymoron. A proud Christian, it really cannot be. And Jesus, in this lesson, what it's not about fish, it's about who Jesus is in the light of that, who you are. And then let's see, just finally, what Jesus is doing uh, in this fish's tail. He's giving Simon a call to ministry. Here it is, coming up now in verse 10. Here we are. Well, listen now. Interesting how the conversation flows. Because after verse 8, we got verses 9 and half of verse 10, but they're filler, they're giving something of what's happening. But the conversation flows straight from verse 8 to halfway through verse 10. So Peter says, depart from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. And Jesus said to Simon, do not be afraid. From now on, you will catch men. Jesus says, you will catch men. So Simon has said, I'm a sinful man. And Jesus says, do you think I didn't know that? I know that you are. And more than that, now I know that you know that you are. And that's the key thing. Do we love to preen ourselves and raise ourselves up and uh, think how, oh, how I've grown in grace? Do you know the more we grow in grace, the more humble we come because the more we see of our sin, the closer we get to the light. When I was first converted, matter of I won't do that and I won't do that, I'll stop saying that. You go, I've done pretty well. What a, what a wonderful change in my life has been wrought. And then you draw closer to him. You think, I haven't started. What about my motives? What about my thought life? What about the things that I contemplate and, and think on? He begins to deal with that. And uh, you grow a bit closer and there's more and more. And this is how Peter felt. Oh, depart from me. I'm a sinful man. I know you're a sinful man. And now I know that you know. And because I know that you know I can use you, I'm going to use you to catch men. You're going to be a fisher of men. Jesus uses men who know that they are sinful men. In their humility, they come to him knowing that they are nothing. Repentant sinners are the ones that Jesus Christ can use. He doesn't dispense with failures. If we know that we're failures and we come to him in repentance... The first step to Christian usefulness is to recognise our uselessness. So Simon, I'm going to make you to catch men. Well, we're coming to a conclusion now. What is Jesus saying to the church here? What is Jesus saying to us as individuals? The great focus of this church must always be to be fishers of men, to catch men, women, children, young people. I'm 
thinking about St. Melons as we've emerged from lockdown and how do we do it and the pastor's leaving, who's the next pastor going to be and how do we configure services now, what do we open up and what do we keep closed and how do we do things, we can, we can lose our focus, we, we need a, a good mission perhaps at St. Melons and I'm so delighted to hear that you had a mission uh, here and uh, the Lord has blessed and you had a special outreach meeting with that footballer, what was his name? Gavin Peacock, Gavin Peacock. Well, oh, how thrilling to hear uh, things like that. That's, that's your focus as a church, letting down the gospel net and drawing in that whole of fish. And for us as individuals, that's our focus as individuals uh, as well. We can focus on so many things, but what about my unconverted family, friends, work colleagues and neighbours thinking how I can bring them to hear about the Lord Jesus Christ because their only hope is the gospel. And we got it in all its glorious technical and now we know that Jesus didn't only go about uh, saying let down your nets and oh, a great haul of fish. We know he went on to live a perfect life in our place. He sat the entrance exam for heaven and passed with flying colours. He put your name on the paper and then he goes all the way to Calvary. Peter hadn't seen that yet. We've seen it. We're looking back on it. The Old Testament prophesied it that on Calvary, this one who is fully God and fully man, all my iniquities on him were laid in my place, condemned. He stood, sealed, my, sealed it, my pardon, with his blood. Hallelujah. What a saviour. Dead, buried. But as he said, he would up from the grave, he arose with a mighty triumph over his foes. He arose the victor from the dark domain and he lives forever with his church to reign. He arose, he arose. Hallelujah, Christ arose. He lived for me, he died for me, he rose again, proving it's all true. He will return. How can I benefit from what Jesus did? When you see that you're a sinful man, child, woman, young person, don't say to Christ, depart from me. So at that point you need to flee to him, that he's the answer. You turn from your sin and you turn to Jesus Christ. Repentance towards God, faith in Jesus Christ, you trust in his finished work. Happened to me in August 1976. What a blessing to be done with my sin, paid for by Christ. Oh, let down the nets as a church. Let down your net as an individual. And let's look to catch people in the gospel net. Throw it out. Cast out the net. Make him known. Now, I don't know what Jesus has been saying to you. If you've been saying you need to be saved this morning, well, have a chat with me afterwards or one of the, a friend who, who's brought you. Settle the matter before you leave the building. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. You can leave this place knowing that burden being relieved. Have you come in as a proud oxymoron, Christian? Go out without the moron bit, all right? Don't know what oxy means, maybe you can keep that bit, but let's get rid of this contradiction. Proud Christians, may true humility fill our lives, that we be something beautiful for him. Let's pray. Father, thank you for an all too brief time in your word. Pray, Lord, you would forgive and remove from our minds things that have been said amiss, things that are controversial. 
but may the pure gold of your word remain in our hearts and change us in the power of your spirit from glory into glory. Amen. Well, we're finishing with um, a great hymn of Wesley's, Jesus the name high over all. One, two, eight, if you have your own personal hymn book. Let's stand and sing.
And now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God our Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all now and forever. Amen.